can probably say anything to you this morning, you'll think it's great, won't you? <laughs> Just thank you for your love, really appreciate it. Um, we've been doing a little series, I say we collectively, uh, called uh, sort of something as a lifestyle. And um, we've looked at uh, worship as a lifestyle, we've looked at growing in the knowledge of God and his nature as a lifestyle. Martin last week looked at sort of looked at the compassion of God as a lifestyle. It's as long as we're trying to fit everything in the title really, but um, this morning I'm going to talk about readiness or expectancy as a lifestyle. Um, yeah, and I'll explain more, but just that sense of expectation uh, as, as, as a way to live expectation that God is at work, expectation that God is, is working in your life and through your life and, and wants to speak and, and, and move and, and at any moment of any day, um, it's just that readiness. So Father, we thank you for your presence here and we love you. We just declare your goodness again over our lives and we thank you for Jesus above all, the one who came, the Savior who came to declare who you were, who you are to us. So just speak to us, Lord, through your word today. Amen. So, the passage I'm going to pick, uh, just to read from, is an unusual, sometimes I judge passages maybe by how many times you've heard a message on them, or you've someone's preached from them, and this is a first for me, I don't know whether it's first for you, but... Um, so Jesus speaking to his disciples said, stay dressed for action. This is from the uh, English Standard Version. Uh, the King James Version says, gird up your loins for action. It doesn't come from Bristol, but gird up your loins. Uh, the NIV says, be dressed, ready for service and keep your lamps burning. Keep your lamps burning. And be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast, so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whose master find, whose ma whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table, and he will come and serve them. So it's a really surprising parable. You know, one of my aims in life, as you probably know, is to get us to look at the scripture afresh every time. And if you were hearing this parable for the first time in a Middle East setting, what would you feel like? How would you, ex I, I'm gonna put it to you that you would feel a sense of shock and surprise almost a sense of outrage. Why is, what's the outrage in this parable? Yeah, that the master coming in will lay aside his garments and serve the servants. This is an absolute, it's, 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 it's on a par with the prodigal son and the father running out and to the sun and, and, and all that exposure before the village where they saw that he sort of threw his dignity aside and ran out and, and, and greeted him. So here we have costly love. We have 
a master coming back and uh, dressing himself to serve. So there's this lovely sort of balance to the parable where it says, be dressed for action and the master himself will come and dress himself to serve. And these servants, the reason I use the ESV is because in the NIV it kind of says, it will be good for those servants. It kind of sounds like <coughs> you're a bit of a threat, you know. It'll be good for you if you behave in class. It'll be good for you if you eat your greens. But that's not the sense. He's saying that these servants are blessed before the master comes. They are blessed servants because they are, they are expecting uh, the master to come and they're attended to the fact that he's coming. And the fact that he's gone um, means that their sole consideration is actually his return. And that, that's a blessed servant. So that they are blessed. That's the condition of them being blessed. It's not that he blesses them when he comes back, that they are blessed now because they've got this attitude of, 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 of blessedness upon them that they recognize who they are, they're servants of the master, and they are expecting him, they, they are ready for him, they're dressed in a way that they may serve him and attend to him. And then he has them recline at table. And the thing about reclining at table um, is that you have to be served. So, so when they, obviously they, they met and they reclined. Um, you have to be served. And so he has them recline at table and, and he serves them. So this is another parable where costly love is shown. The master takes off his wedding clothes and takes on the servant's clothes and he serves them. And, and where have you heard that before? Y yeah, you've heard it in the, f in, in the gospel that Jesus came, didn't he, as made flesh he took upon himself the form of a servant and and being made in the likeness of man uh, you know he becomes obedient as a servant and and even then he becomes obedient even unto the unto death so he's constantly the heart of of jesus he's constantly uh, we've seen this beautiful humble heart that um you know come to me or you who are weary and heavy laden and um and learn from me take my yoke upon you for my yoke is easy and my burden is light, for I am gentle and humble and soul, and you will find rest for your souls. There's such a character in the heart of God um, that, that is surprising. If we were to design a God, and I'm afraid many people do, <laughs> it wouldn't be this one. This, this God who is revealed to us in Jesus Christ is, is is this compassionate heart of, of simplicity and, and beauty. And, and, and right at the core of the universe, and one of my sort of most moving passages I read is in Revelation where you see you know, the throne of God and, and, and then right in the center of the throne you see a, a lamb or the lamb as if slain. And, and, and that's the heart of, of the love of God. It, it's, this, it, it's this costly love. It's the love that lays down its life. So we're going to share communion uh, today. And in a sense, the communion feast is one that is served by him. Uh, we can't actually serve at the communion feast, if that makes sense to you. He says, take it, eat it, this is my body. 
which is given for you. So at the communion feast, we have to be receiving those. When you prayed for me this morning, um, which was a delight, I, I, we just had to receive. We, we couldn't do anything else. We just had to wait and receive. And at the communion table, we have to be in a receiving position. Jesus said, you know, this is my body, which is given for you. We had a great joy here on Tuesday afternoon where we um, did a little drama of, of, of the important meal, the Last Supper. And Steve, who makes an excellent Jesus, by the way, you know, broke the bread and, and said, you know, and then little kids were crying out, it's only bread, but, you know, this is my body, which is given for you. Take it, receive it. Eat it, and this is my cup of the new covenant. Take it, receive it. So who is serving there? Jesus is the one serving, isn't he? And so there's a picture here of, of the master serving. It's a picture of, 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 of many things, in a sense, of, of this table, um, which is amongst us, as it were, because of the cross, but it almost gets transferred into that, the kingdom. So he's, you know, he says, you know, you're going to sit down with me at, at my table, and people will come from, from east and west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and, and that, that feast will be one where we're celebrating yet again the coming and the dying and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. So in the, in the communion, we, we're celebrating, remembering what, what, what God has done in the past, that the fact that blood was shed for the remission of my sin. We're celebrating costly love poured out. We're celebrating that we've been adopted into the family, what God has done for us. We're celebrating also that in the present, now, that in his covenant, he said, um, uh, this is the covenant I will make with them in those days, said the Lord, dot, 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 dot. They will be my people and I will be their God and they will know me and I am committing myself to, to be present with them. So we're being empowered in the present. And also we just have this foretaste of the future. So Jesus said when he gave them the cup, he said in, in Matthew's gospel, I will not eat of drink of this vine until I drink it again in Matthew's gospel with you in the kingdom of God. So there's, there's a foretaste, you know, just sixth of... Feb, yeah, we celebrated Peter's passing, and it was a celebration that he'd entered into that place of glory. And, and, and there is a foretaste, and we do have to live our lives in those three dimensions. We're looking back to what Christ has done. We're drawing from his power and strength today because he's promised never to leave us. He's promised that we can dwell in the shadow of his wings, that we can stand upon the rock, that we can know his presence today. And yet we're looking forward to the sense that um, we have a hope and a future, that Christ in us is this hope of glory, this hope of, of, of foretaste. So we see it in this parable, um, beautiful parable. Yeah, so Paul the Apostle taught us, when we eat this bread and drink this cup, we're proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. So we're, we're proclaiming his death, but we're proclaiming his coming. Yeah? Jesus is coming. Church, the church was born with that expectation, and the church should live with that expectation. 
He's coming in the clouds. He's, he's coming in glory. But in a sense, and this is the, the, uh, the import of what I'm trying to say to today, is that he's, he's coming in an in a ever-present sense. So living in the readiness of his coming means that, um, yes, there will be a day. Yeah, that day is coming. I don't know whether um, you've had young adults, my family members in, in the family, and, and, and they've become engaged to the one that they love, and, and sometimes that engagement is nine months or a year, and, and you think that day's never going to come. And I always say to them, that day will come. And that day did come and has come. And it's the same that we're in this betrothal and that day is and will come. That day will come. You might, people might say, you know, where is his coming? But they forget that God isn't slow concerning his promises. But it's just want, wanting for people to repent and to come into the kingdom. So, but there is a sense where God comes every day in an, an, an anticipation of his coming is something that keeps us on the alert. Um, whether it's in the, for service or whether it's for speaking, whether it's for fellowship. And so he teaches this parable to them to say, stay dressed for action. Although I love the message, I, I don't think it's quite got it on this one. It says, keep your shirts on and keep your lights on. It's, I'm just about to go to bed, but I won't get fully undressed. It's not what this is actually saying. It's saying, actually spiritually don't go to bed <laughs> stay alert and keep keep your lamps burning so what does this thing what does this mean about um, keep dressed ready for service and as I mentioned um, uh, the authorized version the King James says let your waist be girded now so the typical clothing of a, of a Middle East man um, and I sense maybe a woman as well would be a, would be a a cloak that goes straight down to the floor with, with no belt at all. It was presumably comfortable, warm when it needed to be, but cool when it needed to be. But it was not useful to, to do any work in, was it? Because you'd get sort of caught up. So if you're about to do some work, you'd, you'd, you'd have a belt, all right? Um, and what you would do, here's my belt, what you'd do is you'd just put your belt on and then you would you'd tuck your tuck your robe up into the belt so that you were sort of six or so inches off the floor and then you were ready to move. So in the Bible there's a number of places where this happens when Elijah decides to go for a, like a 26-mile sprint in front of um, um, Jezebel, <laughs> to, to Jezebel. He, he girt his loins up, he lifts them up, tucks them into his belt and starts running. So this, what it, this is what the picture that Jesus says. He says, stay dressed for action. Uh, in the Greek, it is, girt up your loins. So it's lift up the cloak into the belt and be dressed, re re <coughs> ready to do something, ready to go. So Elijah did that. And, and when they ate the Passover... God said these words to them. He says, this is how you are to eat it, with your cloak tucked into your belt. Why? Be ready to move. This is the night you're going to go out of bondage into freedom. This is the night God is going to do something. Get ready. Tuck your, tuck your cloak into your belt because we're moving out. 
And that's what he's really saying to church. Tuck your cloak into belt because we're moving on. We're not staying still. Yeah? And when, when um, you know, the book of Job, and um, you've got to feel it for Job, haven't you? <laughs> so, <laughs> so go through the whole story, and, uh, and the moment comes where God decides, I'm going to speak to Job now. He says to Job, tuck your cloak in your belt. Come outside. We're going to have a word. Yeah? In other words, what he says is, he says this, now prepare yourself like a man. I will question you and I, you will answer me. Gird up your loins like a man. I will demand of you, you answer me. NIV, brace yourself like a man. It just means get ready because now's the time. <laughs> We're going to speak. We're going to be face to face. Something's going to happen. And Jeremiah, the, the young prophet, was, was called out to the nations <coughs> and God says to him, you... What's, what am I going to say? Tuck your cloak into your belt and say to them everything I'm going to tell you. Time for action. So this, this is a lovely picture. God is, Jesus is saying to his disciples um, and he's saying it to us, get ready for action. Get ready. Always be ready. Always be on the alert. Be dressed for action. These are the things you need to hear, Job. These are the things you need to do, Jeremiah. These are the things you need to get ready to go, Israel out of Egypt. This is the time to get running, Elijah. Yeah? And Peter uses the same expression in 1 Peter 1.13 where he says, Therefore, gird up your minds. Be alert. Fix your hope completely on the hope that will be brought to you at the grace of Jesus on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. Yeah. A.V. says, gird up your loins of your mind. So Jesus is saying, be prepared, be alive, burning with zeal, perish the thought, be enthusiastic even. <laughs> yeah? Yep. Amen. Because God is on the move. Be active in mind and heart, do not be switched off. So how, how do we stir ourselves up the way that Jesus is saying, be stirred up, provoke ourselves. Uh, Hebrews teaches us to, um, it says, it's an interesting word, it says provoke one another to love and to good deeds. That's a little bit uncomfortable, isn't it? If I'm going to provoke you, yeah? <laughs> it's like, oh, you're really going to provoke me? That sounds, hmm, okay, let's get going. Provoke one another to love and to good deeds. So there has to be a sense here in knowing the heart and mind of God, otherwise we're going to provoke each other up to do all the kind of wrong stuff and just be busy, busy, busy. busy. But this isn't about that. It's about burning bright, not, not burning up. It's about not running around doing everything. It's kind of knowing our posts and what is entrusted to us and stay there. But, but when I read this, parable that, that Jesus taught here it seems to me that not too much was being expected of them why was he so pleased with his, these servants because they redecorated his whole house when he was out 
because he'd they'd done an amazing thing. No, he was so excited because they were expecting him and they were looking for him and they were attentive to him. And you might think, well, that's not very much. Wouldn't it be great if we did something else while he was absent? Wouldn't it be better if we, we, we did our own thing, we came up with this amazing plan? I'd rather do something else. That doesn't sound very important to be kind of attending to him. But what he's saying is this. Is this he's saying, be concerned about me. Be concerned about me. That's a big thing, isn't it? Be excited about me. That I'm coming. That I'm here. That I'm returning. That I might be speaking. That I might be knocking. And, 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 and this master was so extravagant because his servants were looking out for him listening for him, knocking on the door, opening it up, whatever hour of the night it was. And that's just such a lovely picture, isn't it? Be dressed in readiness. So that's the first bit of what he said, be dressed in readiness. And then the second bit is keep your lamps burning. So, yeah, this is a picture of a first century lamp. It's, it's not a very complicated piece of equipment, is it? Maybe I'll just get you to look at it for a while, but, um, you know, I'm not great engineering, but the oil bit goes in there, and, and that's the wick that has to be trimmed, and then it has to be lit. So there's only, like, three bits that make it l work. <laughs> that's, that's the sort of thing I like. <laughs> no instructions needed. So, just taking them one at a time. The wick has to be trimmed. And, and, and actually, that's for us to do, which means that um, it needs to be cleaned, it needs <coughs> to be prepared, it needs to be the charcoal has to be cut off from it, um, it needs to be, yeah, purified. So that kind of speaks of the purity. The, the, the second thing that has to happen is there has to be oil in, in that round thing, okay? <laughs> Olive oil, usually. Um, which is a s picture of the Holy Spirit, it, it has to be stocked up. It has to be invested in. It has, there has to be a, some resources in there, uh, God's resources. Um, and just yesterday, just spending a whole day, <laughs> Holy Spirit day, was a wonderful experience of just kind of stocking up there. Um, Maintaining a simple joy. And, and the third thing that has to happen, of course, is that, <coughs> is that it has to be kindled, it has to be lit. And that, of course, only the Holy Spirit can do. And he kindles our hearts and, and, and causes us to live. But as I was thinking about keeping the lamp burning, um, it's quite hard to light a lamp in the dark so if he comes, we're not expecting it, and we have to sort of find how to light the lamp. It's quite difficult. But if we keep the lamp burning, uh, that sense of expectancy that God will minister and speak and commune with our heart, that's, that's a, a great place to be. And, and I've just been thinking, okay, so how do I 
if this if if this lamp of being filled and this wick is, is, is a picture of my, my heart in a sense and my expectancy. How do I maintain that simple joy? How do I keep the door of my heart open? And and try and hear me on this, but if your heart is like a door, and Jesus said it was in, in Revelation, he said, I stand at the door and knock and anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and eat with that person and they with me. So our heart, in a sense, is, is, is like a door. It, it, it seems to me that we shouldn't give the key to that door to anybody else, but we should keep the key to the door of our hearts. And what I mean by that is that in life, there's often casualties, there's often kind of reasons to be upset, there's often reasons to be hurt, there's often reasons to give up through past experiences, traumatic hurts or misunderstandings or misconceived visions. And sometimes when we kind of park our lives by that misconception or that misunderstanding, it's like we're giving the key to our heart to somebody else and says, you can lock the door of my heart. If I hold unforgiveness to, with somebody else or over an experience or a person, it's like I say to you, you can have the door of my heart and you can lock it. But I'm saying to, to, to church, don't give anybody else the key to the door of your heart. Whatever you've been through, it doesn't matter. I am keeping the door of my heart. I am going to keep my life in a relationship with God. I am not going to let anybody be closer to God, come between me and him. I'm keeping the key. So I can open the door of my heart when he knocks. And that is a choice, and it, it just seems to me that there's too many people on the road, on the journey, who've given that key to somebody else, and they've, they've, they've explained that their justification for doing that because this happened, or that happened, or they didn't understand. And they've lost years in the process. But to keep my lamp burning in expectancy, I have to keep my heart open and my door open. I don't have a right to feel that way because I have been redeemed and I belong to another. That's the, what the word redeem means, <coughs> that we've been brought back into somebody else's ownership. So, so whose servants were they? Whose servants were they? They were the masters. So they had to be about the master. Yeah? Not about somebody else. They didn't, nobody else has a claim over them. And it's the same with our hearts. Nobody else has a claim over it. Only God. <coughs> he is the one who loved us and gave himself up for us. <coughs> Scripture tells us where the treasure is, that's where our heart also will be. So, we're moving on. Yeah? We're dressed for action and our lamps are burning. And he's coming. He's coming, this is a picture of, of the return of the Son of Man. He's coming at an hour that you do not expect, but it's also a picture of life that, that he comes, he shows up, he turns up, he has, he has un unexpected things, he has callings, he has things he's calling us to do and wants us to do, he's places to be, <laughs> things to say. Yeah, we want to be set apart for that. Yeah, it's wonderful. We serve the Lord. The Bible tells us that we, we were bought with a price. Therefore, do not become slaves of men. And that's what the communion is about, really. It's about 
We're tasting, foretasting of that wonderful celebration, that wonderful feast where Christ laid down his life. He redeemed us, he bought us, we belong to him. My heart belongs to him, he's invested me with the key, and he wants me to keep that heart open. And whatever it costs, um, <coughs> we don't want to retain a sense of hurt or, or unforgiveness. We were doing, I was doing the Alpha talk on why does Jesus die, and one of the expressions Nicky Gumbel had, which is really great, he says, unforgiveness is like inviting someone to live rent-free in your head. <laughs> They're always in your head. <laughs> no one should live rent-free in my head. That's a great example. The other one he gives is, it's like drinking poison, expecting the other person to die. But you've probably heard that one before. Yeah, so we want to stay free. And we're going to stay free because we've been called for freedom. So I want us to, to break bread. Last time I spoke of the patient enduring. God deposits something in our lives. Uh, he hasn't changed his mind about that. God's gifts uh, are without repentance. But those things aren't automatic. They, they, we need to, um, to persevere with them. We need to work with them. And I, uh, Paul the Apostle uh, wrote this word, which is the same really, never be lacking in zeal. But keep your spiritual fervor. Keep alive. Keep that pot topped up. I'm going to leave that one up. Keep it topped up. Keep the wick trimmed. Keep in simplicity. Keep your lives burning. We're, we're called to serve the Lord as, as sons and daughters. We're not in servitude. We're in freedom. And we're serving because we had a, a willing and a, and, 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 um, a heart. Um, and you can just see the response of the master when he comes. It's, it's unheard of. He could have said, look, I'm still a bit packaged. The beer wasn't great at the wedding. Would you kind of fry up a few eggs for me? But he was so enamored with their response. The master takes off his garment, which he's done for us at the cross. The master lays his, servant, his, his garment down. And he says, would you recline at table? Sure. Would you recline at table? That must have been quite hard, must it? <laughs> it's pretty hard for me to let you pray for me for that long this morning, I can tell you. <laughs> Just imagine what it was like, the master saying, recline at table, and, and I was served. So what I'd love us to do is just to, um, I wonder if I could ask Joseph and Tom to come back and <coughs> maybe play from the inside or something like that. And, and I'd like to do something a little difficult. If I'm, It'd be strange if I sort of was talking about being readiness and, and with their lights on. If we put the communion out, and I wonder if we could kind of invite people to come up and, and then take the communion to somebody else and, and to bless them and just to wait on them and to serve them, and then maybe you could do that too. It doesn't matter if you do it more than once or twice or three times. Um, that would be really lovely. And just sense the picture that it's Christ that ministers at the communion table, and we're like his hands and his feet in, in doing that, but, um, but this is his feast, isn't it? This is, this is the one where he said to his disciples, go and prepare the Passover for me. And then in Luke's gospel he said, you know, this Passover I have longed with a passion to, to eat it with you, and I won't eat it with you again uh, until um, I eat it anew with you, afresh with you in the kingdom of God. And, and Paul the Apostle says, when... We 
eat this flesh and drink this blood, we're proclaiming his death until he comes. So there's something remembering, but there's a present reality where the Holy Spirit can meet with us. Uh, and I pray now, Holy Spirit, would you come and meet with each one of us as we share this bread? And may we think of the master, the, serv uh, the, the Lord Jesus, who came, was born and, and, and took on flesh, and, and he came to serve, and he, he came to lay down his life as a ransom. And Lord, you said, this is my, this bread is my body, which is for you. I just as you take it, could you just say, this is my body, which is for me? And this cup is the cup of the new covenant that's, that's in my blood for the forgiveness of sins. And that covenant is a covenant that says, I will be your God and you will be my people. And you won't say to one another, know the Lord, because all of you will know me. And that's the spirit of God that, that we all know, however imperfectly we all know the Lord.